Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Tech Events Matter, a series of interviews of mentors and friends of Startup Sesame who all share one thing in common. They attend events as part of their job, a lot of them. On this new episode, we'll be chatting with Ton, the CEO at Zero One Ventures. Is it Zero One or One or O One? Zero One or Zero One V, it's perfect. Zero One Ventures, a deep tech fund with offices in Amsterdam and London. Hi, Ton. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me, Ben. Glad to have you. Tell us why you joined Zero One Ventures and what is exciting about your new role there. So I think if I look back to it, um, this is so, sort of what I've been building towards for the last 10 to 12 years. Uh, I've been becoming extremely passionate about what's happening in deep tech in Europe. Um, not only in, in the UK, the Nordics, but many countries are, well, I think there's a, like, a fantastic foundation for emerging technologies. And I was looking for you know, the right partners to, uh, to start a new movement in VC. I mean, uh, we're, we're in this for the long tail. So this is a role that I hopefully will remain to have for the next, let's say, 30 to 40 years. <laughs> um, uh, I was really excited about this announcement uh, personally here and also in the context of uh, our new track, uh, Startup Sesame, dedicated to deep tech. Can you tell us more um, about the trend that you see here in Europe uh, around deep technology and why it is an exciting area uh, for you to to invest in and to support. Yeah, no, of course. I, I think, uh, like I like I just mentioned, and and that is particularly true in Europe, is um, we have amazing universities that have been focused on you know fundamental skills like like math and 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 science and physics, and because of that, I think we are able to 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 take on that new role as well. And and with the fund, and as well, uh, I think with the fund, we have actually tried to capture the main main uh, themes in Europe right now. So to give you an example, I think there's exciting st- things happening right now in, in the space of data and machine intelligence, for example, uh, AI and machine learning specifically, or for example, you know, graph database technology, but also in the space of decentralization. Um, I think people almost naturally think that I'm talking about blockchain, but I'm also talking about stuff like intelligent IoT and edge computing. And, and I think this is just the beginning. So these are several of the space that we're looking at. Um, maybe interesting enough to mention as well that we also actively look at imaging, 
enabling technologies, for example, uh, energy storage or you know, quantum computing. Um, yeah, and like I mentioned, we, <clears throat> um, I think all of the partners have a diverse background and uh, we, we've, we've searched the globe to find the most interesting places. And I think you also see that, um, that with the next wave of technology, there's going to be some new cities and, and new hubs that will be popping up in Europe. I was. Um, I mean, we'll come back to the to the tech hubs because I know you've been uh, traveling to many of them. Uh, to know a little bit more about Zero One Ventures, how big is the fund? What are you know the type of companies you're looking for in terms of stage uh, early growth? Yeah. Tell us also a little bit more about that, please. Yeah. So Zero One, we're we're currently targeting a 150 million euro fund, and uh, the idea is depending on the on the city or the country where you're where you're at, you would call it seed or early. I think we mm -hmm. position as early and growth investment. That will mean that we typically typically invest tickets somewhere between 1 million and 3 million euros in the first round. And, uh, and of course, we're going to reserve a big part of our capital for the follow-on investments to you know, really follow on on the winners <clears throat> in our portfolio. Um, not only Europe, then? No, so we, <clears throat> it's pan-European, uh, but definitely also since we're headquartered at the moment in Amsterdam and in London, and we're hoping to open an office in somewhere in the Nordics by the end of the year, it, it feels natural that we have a focus on those areas. But for example, even you know, tech hubs or that used to be traditional on the consumer-facing side, like Berlin, are also experiencing new you know, interesting um, opportunities in AI. So we'll definitely look at those. Uh, we'll be a little bit more opportunistic in let's say countries or cities like Tel Aviv, um, actually with the fund, we've made an investment in the US already. So it is going to be pan-European, but one of the key things that we're really passionate about is we want to also see if we can keep the companies in Europe for a bit longer, right? I mm. think um, uh, a lot of uh, fantastic technology that has been invented in Europe has been sort of like mo has moved to the US, basically also because of the funding and the resources there. Just, just to give you a couple of examples, take Wi-Fi or, or radio or 4G or even the jet engine, uh, all invented in Europe. So our goal is definitely to see if we can uh, yeah, keep them here a bit longer before we scale out to next continents. Why is that? Uh, sorry? Why? Why do you want to keep them in Europe? Yeah, it's, 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 I think it is, um, just to give you an example, I think, uh, for example, if you just look at, uh, let, let's say, pension funds or institutional investors, how they invest, they... Uh, have, I think they have a responsibility to look at investing in their own back, backyard, right? So, for example, if you look at the Dutch government, they have a huge amount of pension money available that is not being allocated here, but it's being allocated in the U.S. or Asia, for example. I think if you want to sustain or create a sustainable future, you have to look in, in, uh, in, in keeping these countries in Europe a bit more. And also, I think from, a, from another perspective, I think um, there is a different type of mentality coming up in Europe, which I'm really interested in, and I'm not really sure if that really resonates with with other uh, continents, take US, and that is, for example, that it is not enough anymore. It might sound crazy to some of the entrepreneurs listening right now, but it's not enough to build a company just from a revenue-driven perspective. It has to have some kind of impact, and I think that is something that yeah, we're, we're, we're able to do and capture here in Europe. Could you share with us maybe one, two, or three pitches, companies that you've come up with recently that are extremely exciting, like for you, like you discovered? Yeah, I, I think so. The, the nice thing of having, um, you know, the Zero One brand and also the experience in the background of the bar is that we get a lot of incoming uh, requests and pitch decks that we, you know, mm -hmm. try to reply within the, you know, within 24 hours, of course. Uh, but just keep just to keep it close to home. I think you know two of the companies that we already invested in. I think are you know fantastically aligned. Is for example Biblio, which is located uh -huh. in the UK. It's um, it's an artificial intelligence 
powered smarter knowledge discovery engine. So basically they build advanced content and knowledge recommendation systems uh, around uh, sophisticated machine learning, right? And uh, so they've already been working with, you know, high profile providers uh, like National Geographic and BBC. And this is exactly the type of company that we think is interesting because they built this technology, but it has actually a multi-purpose, right? So it's not only in one vertical industry that the technology will be used, but it's going to be in multiple. So those are also typically the type of companies that we look at. Another one that I, I, I should definitely mention is, is Falosa, which is uh, based in Helsinki. It's uh, one of the best companies also in machine learning. It's actually AI-led um, advanced analytics. So basically, they're able to you know, uh, transcribe video and audio uh, um, simultaneously. Um, I, I, I could dive into could that. Sorry? I could use that. Exactly, exactly. And I think the exciting thing is we get into that in the, in the in these companies in a pretty early stage, right? So they're still mm-hmm. developing the technology. They might have a proof of concept, maybe in one or two or several paying customers, but they're not really 100% sure. They have the vision, but they're not really sure which industry they're going to relate to. And that's also what we're trying to help with at the moment. So, you know, companies that are in that phase are, you know, ex- extremely are perfect for our fund at the moment. Super interesting. Thank you. Uh, you have all the roles. I would like to know a little bit more about your background. One specific role that I, I think is really interesting to, to learn more about is your um, involvement in Startup Delta, where you are investor in residence and you are working closely with, um, is, um, with the Prince Constantine Van Orange over there. Yeah. That is more like, what is your background and, and how did you come up to work with uh, Startup Delta? Yeah, I think we have to go a little bit more back but uh you know so um i'm a former startup funder myself i I turned to the dark side only four years ago (laughs) and you know from a founder's perspective i got in uh into uh, my company got investment in a really early phase and so that experience combined with the experience that i had at keaton and now also seeing a similar thing with zero one ventures is that there's a lot of fantastic founders that you know they understand technology they know how to build they have the vision but it's really tough to find that right investor at the first phase, right? So mm-hmm. what if you don't have an existing network? How do you find that first person or believe or, you know, the first ambassador that's going to invest in your company? So I've been looking to support initiatives that support entrepreneurs on a larger scale. I think I've mentioned it once or twice uh, that, uh, you know, I want to at least empower 1 million entrepreneurs by 2020. Mm-hmm. Or maybe give them more freedom. That could be the right pronunciation. And I think what why I joined Startup Delta and Goldstein's mission is I think it's perfectly aligned by my with my personal mission. And uh, Startup Delta is naturally focused on the Netherlands, but they're doing more than that, right? So the initial goal target is to sort of like create a gateway through Europe via Amsterdam, which makes a lot of sense. If you look at Schiphol as an important, you know, um, airport or hub. Uh, but I think the next step for this organization could also be to see if we can get our experience and, and bring that to other cities that might require the same level of access to knowledge or technology or funding. And I think that's why I joined. We're not uh, entirely there yet. And I think what's still missing, if you look at it from a European perspective, so what I've seen, for example, is that countries are you know building up their reputation and making more creating more perceived value around the entrepreneurs that they have in their ecosystem. I think the next step for Europe would be that we need to open up a bit more, right? So how great would it be that, for example, you know, take what you're doing yourself, but take, let's say, a fantastic uh, initiative that is built in Stockholm. Let's see if we can move that to Berlin or maybe potentially to the Baltics where it's less developed from that perspective and take the best from the Baltics and move that into, I don't know, Paris or France or Spain. So uh, I would like to see more 
bit more convergence happening, but I think we're getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to many people like yourself that are trying to do more than just build a company, but um, paying it forward and actually helping out. Can I ask you a question about that? Because this is an area where I, I mean, I agree with you 100%, but I also have a um, form of concern about what is the role of the public sector there. And of course, what you just described right now with your involvement in Startup Delta means that you see, um, you know, public organization having a key role there. From my perspective, I'm also afraid that because of their own agenda, this convergence, this building, you know, uh, bridges might be harder to achieve than if you rely only uh, on, you know, community-driven or private initiatives. Like, and I'm not saying this from a liberal point of view. I'm just saying this uh, from what I see between, you know, big cities competing between each other in Europe to be the startup hub and all that, like, you know, capital cities like uh, Berlin or Paris saying, yeah. trying to take advantage from Brexit and also same happening with Netherlands. So Amsterdam in particular. So what do you think about this, you know, balance between public and private sector initiative in this area? I completely agree with you. Let's start with that. And I think it's, it's quite an intricate, um, it, it's quite tough to really determine whether you should or should not do it. But I, what I've seen so far, and I think also, which, which is good to know, I think, for example, Star Delta is not, is funded for 50%, you know, publicly and 50% privately. So I think mm -hmm. that's a good start. But I completely agree with you. If there's no market parties in a particular ecosystem, uh, it's not going to help. You know, you, you cannot push, you know, innovation or transparency or paid for top down. It has to be brought up by the community. But I think there are some things that you can definitely help with. And that is, for example, you know, providing access, access to network or talents or, um, and I think, you know, a, a public corporate, public private corporation could definitely help there. But I agree with you. It is, uh, it is intricate. On the other hand, if you look, for example, at VC or venture capital investments in, in Europe, uh, some of you might know, and I think you, you know as well that, you know, the majority of the, of all the private funds are actually, uh, partially funded with money from the EEF, the European Investment Fund. So are actually the biggest, uh, fund to fund investor for the last 17 years. So I think, unfortunately, Europe is not at that stage where we have not enough private capital to basically build that whole system. So up until that point, I think it's good to do. And, um, I'm, I'm, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited what, what French tech has done, I think how the perception has come uh, by, by the initiatives that they started, but I completely agree it has to be picked up from the market some, sometime because it's not something that uh, yeah, you can just, just push from a couple, uh, public perspective. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, we talk, you know, here about tech events. Uh, this is the name of the show, Why Tech Events Matter. Um, you're also an event organizer yourself. I mean, you're not... All right, me if I'm wrong, you're not a professional event organizer, meaning it's not your main job, as we can uh, understand, but you've been putting together events. Um, and one particular that I would like to know a bit more about is called Angel Island. Yeah, no, yeah, you're completely right. So actually, I still don't really know how to build an event, but luckily, I have, you know, just a group of amazing uh, community-driven volunteers that support me in, in, in the initiative. Uh, with Angel Island, we, we started in 2016 with a particular goal, also based out of personal experience. I found it particularly annoying that it's really, really, really tough to, to let people open up on their personal angel network. So how do you find that first business angel, right? So uh, I thought, you know, if no one's going to do it, I'm just going to pull in my private network. So I approached about 200 angel investors, um, connected that with 200 startup founders. We rented an island near Amsterdam. Uh, we got a pack of tall ships and uh, literally we locked them on the island for a day. And uh, I think because of the unnatural setting on the unusual setting, they, they really connected with each other. And we had some really simple, basic rules. So there was no actual content format. There was, you know, uh, uh, you know, no suits and ties allowed. There was a strict zero asshole policy on the island during the day. And, and you were only allowed to pitch uh, on actually a, a super fast motorboat. Uh, otherwise, you were not allowed to, to do that. So I think, you know, it's just it's just a really small dent, I think, that we made. Uh, we did it again last year. And I think, you know, up until the moment that I see more syndication happening within angel investors and early stage founders, we're, we're going to continue on doing this because I think it could play, you know, let's say part or a small role in the improving the conditions for founders and angels alike. Do you know any, any similar initiative in Europe, in other cities? Uh, well, if, if you look at from from bottom up initiatives, they're not 100% focused on on the angel uh, mm -hmm. connection like we do. But of course, there are several that that are um, uh, well known right now. But let's say that you know Till and Manuel from from Pirate Summit, they have created a similar vibe and feeling. Have been doing you know exciting things. Just think about how they had to build it up from the ground, uh, had to finance their own operation by doing other stuff for nine months in a year in order to build Angel Island. So I can resonate with that. I mean, we do this actually in, in let's say, six to seven weeks each year. Um, so without a group of, you know, committed volunteers, it's impossible. So Pirate Summer is definitely one. I think, uh, although it's a gigantic tech event right now, you can definitely see that Slush still has a resemblance of something, you know, community-driven. Uh, I don't know how big their voluntary base is, but it's huge. And for some reason, it's also something that people can relate to. Uh, and there's, you know, a, a considerable uh, amount of tech events that you're also related to with Startup Sesame that I think are super valuable and really interesting, especially when you make the connection between someone who is already connected and informed and the unconnected. I think that's the most, yeah, most important thing that you can do. Uh, really interesting. This is um, this brings me to another question that I had about putting together events, but large, like even smaller than uh, Angel Island. Um, with your mission to empower a million entrepreneurs by 2020, last year you were hosting, correct me, like 40, at least 40 um, dinners or meetings 
in different uh, tech hubs from all over Europe and beyond, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's also a form of tech event, if you want. Yeah, well, it's 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 mini setups, <clears throat> and and uh, I think the key or what I've what I've been trying to do, and I think uh, uh, well, like I mentioned, we can really relate to that together. But it's 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 not about the volume, about the amount of people that you're bringing together, but it's more about the type of people that you're bringing together. Just you know, for example, during Slash and Helsinki, I, we hosted a small dinner at the investors' residence. I think you were there actually. Uh, we, we had about 40 people, but it was a, you know, a really nice mix of uh, capital connections. We had about, let's say, 150 billion euros at the table, but then we connected them to founders that have zero access to capital. And I think that curation and, and that mix works especially good in, in smaller groups. So I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to see that a lot, of those, a lot of the bigger tech events are you know, going into building smaller side events or events within the event or, or take, for example, what... Uh, Cube is doing with Cube Tech Fair right now, right? So mm-hmm. they have main stage content, which if, of course is open for everyone, but it's also because it's that big, it's going to be a bit generic. And now they're bringing in the keynote speakers and asking them to to host, you know, private sessions for groups of twenty five to fifty people. Um, I, I still find it really tough to 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 find out or feel how do you get that small group and and build it into something really big, right? Because it's still tiny groups of people that you empower, but I think if you do it with mindset and mentality and, and they bring it across, that could definitely help. And I have a question. You, you did like 40, you visited like 40 tech hubs or was it more? I'm not really sure anymore, but it was, I think it's more than 40 at least. Yeah. And how did you organize 40 dinners from a practical point of view? Like literally, how did you do that? I seriously don't know. <laughs> uh, now, like, like I mentioned, I, I think what, what, what I, I'm really fortunate to have worked in a startup scene now for the last 10 to 12 years. So I've, I've built an amazing network of people that are you know, always happy to volunteer and help out. Uh, and I think, um, uh, interestingly enough, once you've reached that level of access that within each city you can approach the best people, or let's say not the best people, but the most uh, valuable people for the types of people that you want to connect and, and, mm-hmm. and empower, that, is, that makes it so much easier, right? Uh, but it still requires a lot of logistics and, and attention. And uh, yeah, like I mentioned, there's there's a, a, a powerful group of people around me that you know help out on every different instance per city on a city by city level. Um, thank you for that. Um, one more question. This is a question that we were asking um, also to to Stuart Rogers in the previous show about how to approach him during an event. So how do how should a startup founder approach you? as an investor during a conference or an event that he's attending? Yeah, What's your advice? That's a really good question. You know, just if I, I'll take it personal first and then maybe a bit more generic to, uh, to, to also take it from, a, you know, the more meta perspective. But from a personal note, I, I, I think I'm extremely approachable and you can contact me, you know, via LinkedIn, email or at the tech conference live. But I think what works really well or what works potentially better, if you, for example, have someone that, that knows me as well and that you trust and I can introduce me directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have so like an already level of connection and that makes it easier to, you know, build or start building a relationship. What also really works well for me is, is, is people that, you know, understand that I'm also a person. Um, I'm, a, I'm an investor, but I'm also, you know, for a startup founder, I, ha- I have my, my own experiences, my own uh, uh, hobbies and tastes. So, you know, talking about more than just the, the, the company in the beginning is extremely important because in the end, uh, as an investor, I don't, of course, we assess the technology, 
But in the end, it's about, you know, a cultural match with the team, with the individuals on an individual level. So it's about building relationships, basically. Uh, so that's my personal perspective. And I think if you look at it from a, a broader perspective, uh, what really helps is uh, if you're considering going to a tech event, um, preparation is key. Preparation meaning make sure that you have all the follow-up documents that you need in place before you reach out to a potential investor. Because if you do and you have made that connection, it is going to be crucial to follow up, you know, you know, blazing fast, I would say, actually. And also, if you already have assessed, let's say, the top five or top 10, or if you're really ambitious, the top 25 people that you want to meet, and you've managed to make an introduction before a particular tech event, it's going to be so much more easy to spend time actually on your, your concept or your product, right? So you can forget the introduction because you already made a pre-introduction beforehand. So that's, I think it's a really nice way to hack your way into the system. And then let's say when you have a, a nice threshold of people that can connect you, you have to take it from there. It's, it's, it's basically building up a network of relations. Uh, and the same goes with VC and investor space as well. One of the things that strikes me uh, a lot, and you know, we're, we're working in this space of how you can help, uh, especially first-time entrepreneurs, build this type of network and relationship and, and also the ability to navigate this space is that it's still a matter of in-person meetings and in-person relationship. That's so, uh, it kind of strikes me because we can do almost everything online today. And we are talking about the tech industry. Um, any, any, I don't know, any idea or vision of how it's going to be in five years, 10 years from now? We'll still rely on this, on going to meet in person and create this type of relationship. I, I think, you know, uh, as crazy as it sounds, especially from, from a deep tech investor, I think yeah. there's a replacement for personal contact. I think, you know, a lot of the stuff can go digital, but um, there is still no replacement. than for even what we're doing right now with Zoom, it, it's just, it has as a, as a different type of layer. So uh, you need to look a person in the eye. And, and I think, you know, what's extremely important until we capture that is, is something I, I like to work with most. Uh, and that's my gut feeling, right? So when I'm talking to someone, I, I immediately feel, yes, this is great, or maybe not potentially, right? And that is something that's tough to catch, capture digitally. Uh, I've actually talked, and, and also with Keaton, we looked at investing in potential companies that, that were looking into matchmaking. But it's, it's just a tough system because it is not only uh, do you need to find a person that, from the investor perspective, has a focus in your sector and is ready to invest, but he has to have the capital deployed at the moment. He has to have a special... There's so much things around that. So uh, I hope some of the stuff can become more automated, you know, especially on the pre-matchmaking perspective for tech events. Mm -hmm. But at the end, you still have to go there. You still have to meet that person at least once to, to, to look them in the eye and think, you know, can we work together for the next five or 10 years? You're going to be at 15 events or something like that over the spring. We were talking about this earlier. What do you like from events? What is your favorite part of it? And uh, um, what are your favorite ones over the, the spring? What, what I really like about events is they're, they're packed, cramped, right? With, 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 with knowledge, with content, with, with interesting people that you can relate to. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to, to connect with industry professionals, let's say other investors, other VCs. It's, an, it's a really nice and easy way to assess companies that are uh, matured far enough that they're able to actually you know, pay for the tickets, go there and be well prepared. Uh, and I think there's always, you know, what strikes me as most effective and surprising is, you know, those special moments in between the tech events where you have lunches or let's say also the backstage access to the, the people that have that meta perspective that connect you to, yeah, let's say other individuals that you would normally not connect with. And, uh, and I think it's a really good way to, uh, to learn how a particular city or ecosystem works because like I said, everyone is there. 
Um, then, you know, things that I'm excited about right now is, of, of course, I'm going to uh, Barcelona, Mobile World Congress. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love the city. I love the, 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 the vibe, the atmosphere. So that's definitely one that I'm going to. Uh, Berlin is up next as well. Um, let's say, yeah, we're just so like just making the schedule, right? So I think it's about 17 or 16 in the making, but uh, we're looking to be booked until November. So probably it's going to be another, you know, busy travel, uh, travel year as well. Any interesting format that you've come up with or that you've experienced during events? I think you were doing something like a reverse pitch at Tech Open Air last year. Anything fun that you, you've experienced during those type of events? I think reverse pitch works really, really well because you can definitely assess if the investor has taken the time to really get, give you an interesting story, right? So is, is he able to do it himself? Uh, but on a more, let's say, more specific level, I'm not really that big of a fan of pitches anymore because you can basically hack it. So if you're really good and prepare really well, you can basically also say nothing in, let's say, one to two minutes. Uh, and the downside of being having people that are extremely prepared is that we're also looking at different angles now in a pitch. So I'm, I'm, if I look at a founder that nails his pitch, uh, that might still potentially not be someone I, I, I want to work with because he's picking up a format that has been improved over over multiple years. What I think is really exciting in, in tech events, and I think uh, we, we're going to see much more of that, um, is, uh, like, like I said, extreme curation, extreme matchmaking, which, which means that, for example, a startup founder, before he goes to a tech conference, you know, puts down a list, a wish list of five to ten companies that he definitely wants to meet. And then on an individual level, or let's say on the tech conference level, they're going to make pre-introductions before the event so that when you're actually there, You've already made it. I think that, I mean, from a, our perspective, that's that's the most interesting thing. And, and maybe to add to that, what I also found really interesting is um, events that are not, that don't have a classical event format or maybe events that are not supposed to be tech events uh, at first. Take, for example, something like Sonar in Barcelona, which is growing. And it's, of course, it's a dance festival, but it's also a tech event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you have a different type of format where you meet people in a different context or let's say around an activity, I think that works really, really well as well. So I'm hoping to see more of those. Super interesting. Um, what else can we do to help you uh, in your mission to empower 1 million entrepreneurs by 2020? Uh, well, I mean, do what, you, do what you're, continue doing what you're doing right now, uh, Ben. Uh, I think that's what I want to say first. Um, I, I, I think what we can do you know, together as a whole. Um, also, considering the fact that it's a global playing role in this together, I think what we can do is sort of like uh, create more content that is brought live, um, you know, by people that actually are an expert in their field and make sure we distribute that in the you know, best possible way. So the mm-hmm. concept like you're having right now and, you know, the, the, the diligence and the, um, uh, and the resilience to build this up in the coming years, I think that's really important. I think transparency is key as well. Uh, so how do we create a more transparent environment so that all the, I would say, non-fundamental issues that are that you have around building a startup company can already be delivered up front? Just to give you an example, in the U.S., there's something called SeriesSeed.com. It's basically uh, when, you, when you're going to raise an investment, the investor basically points you in that direction. You only have the term sheet there up and running. So uh, that perspective, I think that's really important. And hopefully, uh, and I think uh, we're seeing that happening right now. There's more and more people that are doing uh, this on the side and trying to see if we can help forward. So, um, yeah. Thank you very much. We are wrapping up for today. Uh, thank you, Tom, for your time, uh, for joining us in this new episode of Tech Events Matter. The video will be available on Facebook and we will also uh, publish very soon the podcast of your interview. 
I hope to see you in Barcelona very soon. Likewise, Ben, and thanks. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.